1: Let not your heart be troubled. You are listening to the Sean Hannity Radio Show Podcast. All right, so I have insomnia, but I've never slept better. And what's changed? Just a pillow. It's had such a positive impact on my life, and of course, I'm talking about my pillow. I fall asleep faster, I stay asleep longer, and now you can too. Just go to mypillow.com or call 800-919-6090. Use the promo code Hannity. And Mike Lindell, the inventor of My Pillow, has the special four pack. Now you get 40% off two My Pillow premiums and two Go Anywhere pillows. Now My Pillow is made here in the USA, has a 60-day unconditional money-back guarantee, and a 10-year warranty. All right glad you're with us and happy Tuesday write down our toll-free telephone number you want to be a part of this extravaganza we're going to get into this whole Facebook murder raping live Facebook videos that are going out there because it's getting insane later in the program you know it raises a lot of questions but how do you possibly determine well we're going to allow Facebook live for this person and not that person now I happen to be of the school that I want every American to understand the nature of evil. And if you can handle it, it actually would be a good thing, in my opinion, to watch how evil ISIS is so you fully on, understand and comprehend what they are capable of. Because then I think you're more likely to want to engage and win the war against evil in our time. That's why I want people to see it. Now, there are other people that say, Hannity, why would you want Americans to have access? Children may be able to see it. Well, Hey, have you ever seen any of the games that kids play, for crying out loud? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, I start out today for my friends at News Talk AM 750 95.5 in, in Atlanta, WSP, News Talk WSB. Um, you have today a special election. It's a primary, but if anybody gets above 50%, then that person would win outright without a runoff. We now have an instance where the Democratic Party is hoping, because it's what, 13, 14, there's like 100 Republicans that are on the ballot, and so they're all going to split their vote, and it has created an opportunity where this Democrat, John Ossoff, dismissed concerns about the fact he doesn't even live in the district, and we didn't find out until now. This is Newt Gingrich's old congressional seat here. Anyway, their front-running candidate had to make a nationally televised confession that he doesn't actually live in the district that he hopes to represent. Anyway, he said, well, I grew up in this district. I grew up in this community. He said, it's my home. My family's still there. Now, he currently lives outside of Georgia's 6th Congressional District with his girlfriend while she is attending apparently medical school. And he said he has been transparent about the fact that he doesn't live in the district and pledged to move back to the district as soon as his girlfriend finishes school. Well, he doesn't even live in the district. I mean, it's pretty pathetic. Anyway, so I'm a mile and a half down the street to support my girlfriend as she finishes medical school. Okay. Is that what you want? Here's what's important. Here is, well, let's first listen to the exchange because it's pretty entertaining. He's really trying to avoid listening to it.
2: Mr. Ossoff, is it true that you cannot
3: vote for yourself?
1: Well, I grew up in this district. I grew up in this community. Uh,
0: No one knew there was going to be an election coming. I've been living with Alicia, my girlfriend of 12 years, down by Emory University where she's a full-time medical student. And as soon as she concludes her medical training, I'll be 10 minutes back up the street into the district where I grew up. But I want to support her and her career and do right by her.
3: But I guess your point is that you don't live in the district in which you're running, so you will not be able to vote for yourself.
0: Well, I grew up in this district. I grew up in this community. It's my home. My family is still there. I'm a mile and a half down the street to support Alicia while she finishes medical school. Um, It's something I've been very transparent about. In fact, I'm proud to be supporting her career. And as soon as she finishes her medical training, I'll be 10 minutes back up the road into the district where I grew up.
1: Now, our affiliate radio station, News Talk WSB, has a sister TV station down there. And they're reporting that critical voting machines were stolen just days before the polls open for this election today. And state officials are investigating after the equipment was taken from a Cobb County precinct manager's vehicle. According to the Secretary of State, Brian Kemp, the equipment was stolen on Saturday evening while the vehicle was parked at a Kroger on Canton Road. I know atlanta well as i live there but kemp's office says cobb county elections waited two days to tell his office about the theft of the voting machines so you know the four so-called express poll machines were the computer poll workers used to check in voters and check off those who cast ballots it's beyond shocking and the cobb county elections director janine evler said that stolen machines cannot be used to fraudulently vote in Tuesday's election. And she said the machines have voter information on them, but that information is hard to access. So hard to access doesn't mean it's impossible to access, does it? Anyway, she said that they will completely replace the machines at the Piedmont Road precinct, and it should be as secure as banks or, you know, any other place where there's information. He said, now Kemp went on to say, following a statement on Monday, that it's unacceptable that the Cobb County Elections Office waited two days to notify my office of the theft. We've opened an investigation. We're taking steps to ensure it has no effect on the election. He said this yesterday, today, that's going on today. I'm confident the results will not be compromised. Look, I'm asking all of my Atlanta friends here. This is, this is something that the liberal media has made a cause celeb. They're hoping that they can get Newt Gingrich's old seat. And, of course, they're overhyping the Democratic candidate in this case, not putting in perspective all the Republicans, including our friend Amy Kramer, who's on the ballot. I don't care who you vote for. At the end of the day, whoever you decide in the 6th District, I will end up supporting. As Newt Gingrich has said, he will end up supporting. But the Democrats and the alt-left propaganda destroy Trump media elites out there, they're, they're so desperate for just one electoral win because they want to advance the narrative that Donald Trump, our president, is on the downslide. And they have, you know, even hailed no change in special elections. Now, there was an election, where was that, in Kansas last week? And the guy was down like four or five points. Donald Trump went in to help him and saved his campaign. He ended up winning. The Republican win won, and you don't even hear a word about it. Anyway, if you listen to ABC, they're saying a special election win could mean a real chance that Democrats take over Congress. That's what they want. All they want to do is stop Trump. And if Republicans lose the House because they're so ineffective and so impotent and so lazy and so pathetic and so weak, well, it'll be their own fault. And that means that the entire Trump agenda stops right in its tracks. Now I got it. And that leads me to the next point here. We now have Dave Bratt of the Freedom Caucus. He's been on this program many times. I've talked to Mark Meadows more times than I can even count right now. He's the leader of the Freedom Caucus at the moment. Anyway, Dave Bratt is now being quoted today as saying that the majority of the Freedom Caucus, after weeks and weeks of the Freedom Caucus, not the leadership in Congress, the Freedom Caucus doing the Speaker's job, They've actually worked with the Tuesday group and the moderates in the House and varying coalitions, and they've come up with what they believe is the best compromise bill that they can have as it relates to creating free market, competition, health care savings accounts, lower premiums, and better care and a better bank for your health care dollar, and get people out of Obamacare and the death spiral that that's currently in. Now the question is, why isn't Paul Ryan calling these guys back to Washington and getting a vote, and getting this done, because when they come back on Monday, they've got four days from the 24th to the 28th to get a continuing resolution passed, or Congress and the government runs out of money. And then you've got all sorts of threats from the Democrats that they want a government shutdown, which, by the way, Democrats, you want to shut it down, you go right ahead. Shut it down. Save us money. And you own it, too. So if you want to go down that road, go right ahead. I noticed that the Democratic chairman the new DNC chairman, who's a nut. This guy, the only thing that could have been better for Republicans is if they had Congressman Keith Ellison elected the DNC chair. But this guy's name is Tom Perez. Anyway, so the new Democratic chairman picked up where his profanity-laced tirade left off last month. He was at this DNC come-together fight-back tour in Portland, Maine, and he went on a rant against Republicans, slamming their new s-word budget and dismissing their health care plan insisting the gop doesn't give a blank word about people they're trying to hurt here's what he said
4: and here's what i don't understand about donald trump and the affordable care act you know what folks he wants to brand everything you know you can go to the store and find trump steaks you know trump steak knives trump ties trump suits you know the trump hotel but he didn't want the Affordable Care Act branded after him. I don't know what to call it. Trump care? Ryan care? I'll tell you what I'd call it. I don't care because they, those Republican leaders and President Trump don't give a about the people they were trying to hurt. That's what I say.
1: All right. And then we have now listen to the comparison because Bernie Sanders, who was absolutely ripped off and totally, completely, utterly cheated by the Democratic Party and when it's Perez and Bernie listen to the difference in the reaction of the crowd
5: regardless of why you showed up today you showed up for a reason something compelled you to find the space and time to be here and i want you to ask yourself what that reason is right <laughs> maybe maybe it's because you love a certain senator from vermont <laughs> Like, come on. All right. So maybe you came, though, because you're curious about the new DNC chairman and the future of the Democratic
6: Party.
1: All right. So you see the reaction. But this is the new Democratic Party. It is hard left. The blue dog, Joe Lieberman, you know, Democrat of old is gone. Scoop Jackson Democrats are dead. There is no such thing as a moderate Democrat anymore. And the average Democrat represents Obama statism, massive debts, more people in poverty, burdensome regulation. But but you know you know Trump has done everything he can do on his own. He kept his promise. Neil Gorsuch is on the Supreme Court, an originalist. He single handedly picks up the phone. He calls Carrier. He calls Chrysler, Fiat. He call, calls GM. He calls Ford. All these other companies. It's at Snap on Tools today, Buy American, Hire American, as, as a means of creating an American revival in the economy so that all these millions of Americans out of the labor force in poverty on food stamps that can't buy a house that we burden their children by doubling their debt can get to work. You know, he's gutted Obama era regulations. Jobs are being brought back. He ended the war on coal, he opened up the Dakota and Keystone pipelines. He's fighting back against sanctuary cities. He's drafted a plan and took care of ISIS in Syria and is starting that battle and that conflict. And the same thing with with Assad using chemical weapons. He put a five-year lobby ban in place. He sanctioned Iran over the missile program. He responded to Syria's use of chemical weapons. He created a task force to reduce crime, executive orders to protect police officers, and target drug cartels. He started building the border wall and getting plans to build it he's moving forward with repealing and replacing obamacare if these idiots can get back from vacation and get their ass to work uh he's moving forward with rebuilding the military he's shrinking the government workforce he's renegotiating trade deals and he's made us energy independent more than ever by removing the regulations what the hell is wrong with these people in congress Why can't they get a single piece of legislation done? And now they've got the Freedom Caucus and where's Paul Ryan? Where is this guy? It's pathetic. Somebody they need a kick in the ass and a sense of urgency they don't seem to have. I don't understand it. They better get moving. My patience, I'm about to burst a blood vessel if these guys don't get to work. I can't take it anymore. All right, the president is in Wisconsin and he's on a campaign today, which is Buy American, Hire American. Let's, let's dip into this.
7: People, and these are real workers. I love the workers. We're doing a good job for the workers and I'm thrilled to be back in Wisconsin. The optimism in this room is the same incredible spirit that is sweeping across our country and even greater than that great day in November when I won the state of Wisconsin and when we won the presidency. That was a, yeah, that was a great day. have to say. That was a great day, and thank you, Wisconsin. No administration has accomplished more in the first 90 days. That includes on military, on the border, on trade, on regulation, on law enforcement, we love our law enforcement, and on government reform. Today, we're building on that optimism, and I'm proud to announce that we are about to take bold, new steps to follow through on my pledge to buy American and hire American. (laughs) I can't think of a better place to make this announcement than right here at Snap-on. Just took a tour of the company. Good place, by the way. It's doing well, too. Standing among the workers who make the tools that will rebuild our nation. Your craftsmanship is incredible. It's a pleasure to see my good friend, Governor Scott Walker. He has been such a big help. He has been so incredible. Stand up, Scott. Governor Walker, as well as Senator Ron Johnson. We worked hard together. Thank you, Ron. And although he could not be here today, my thanks go to Speaker Ryan, who's represented this city for nearly two decades in Congress. And you know where he is? He's with NATO. And so he has a good excuse. And I said, Ron, make sure these countries... Start paying their bills a little bit more. You know, they're way, way behind, Ron. We have to do, I'm going to talk to you about that, Ron. But Paul, you're over with NATO, get them to pay their bills. I think that, and Ron, you have to work on that too. And Scott, President Trump,
1: buy American, hire American. We'll get to that. When we come back, also the other news of the day and so much more. 800 941 Sean toll-free telephone number. We'd love to hear from you today. The top of the hour. I actually applaud what the president is doing here. You know, it's funny. I used to get Craftsman tools when I was a kid, but I always wanted Snap-On. Snap-On were the, by far the more superior product, but I'd go to Sears and I'd get Craftsman because they were more affordable for me at the time. But I used to do all this mechanic work. I used to do everything. I I fix every. I'd do my brakes, do anything that needed to be done, starters, alternators, um, you name it, tune-ups, brakes. Th- I did it all. And I even used to use a lot of Bondo, and I painted my own cars and trucks. I, I had this barn I used to rent with a bunch of guys in Rhode Island, and we rented it really cheap. It was like 200 bucks a month. We all paid like 50 bucks, and we rented this barn, and we used to work out of it. And most of the guys there were far more mechanically inclined than me, so I'd always start a project and I'd get stuck and they'd always have to bail me out. But they never minded. They were kind of cool guys. But I really got good at painting cars and at bodywork, And I just had an eye for detail and I took my time and I'd, I'd fix all these cars and I'd paint it myself. Even though it probably would have been smarter to just go to Earl Schreibe and pay 100 bucks and get your car painted. And it actually, they didn't do too bad a job either. One time I was stupid enough. There was this paint called Imarant. There's probably like 10 people that know what this is in my audience, but I'm going to say it anyway. I was so dumb. I was painting a van that I had, a work van for my construction company, and Imran was like glass. When you painted it, it just had the glowing finish with black. uh, It was black, and it had like these gold sparkles all throughout. It was so awesome. It was really, and to get this paint on right, you really had to be careful when you sprayed it. Anyway, so I get the van all prepped out, dying to paint it, load up the imron, and I only put on a white mask. I had no idea. Imran literally for a month or two months burned my lungs out. There's scar tissue in my lungs because I painted that van with imron, and it was so chemically powerful. And uh, I remember when I got a, an x-ray one time, a guy goes, what happened to your lung? I'm like, what? It was like, there's a part burned out. I'm like, oh, great. And I I knew what it had to be because I remember how much it hurt. And, of course, I didn't have health insurance at the time, nor did I expect my government to pay for my health insurance. And so I didn't go to a doctor, but I just sucked it up, and I remember it it was hard to deal with. But I always wanted Snap-on tools. I couldn't afford them. I wanted Snap-on. And I loved, you know, because all the big real mechanics had Snap-on tools. And my craftsmen were fine. I had a big red toolbox like everybody else. What I wanted to snap on one. So anyway, the first part of the executive order, Buy American, is based on the twin pillars of maximizing made American. Now, remember when the Dakota Pipeline and the president signed off on that, the president said, well, let's buy the pipe. Let's get the steel workers working in America. And he mandated that if at all possible, we buy the pipe here in America. That's a great idea. So the first part of Buy American is based on Maximizing made in America and minimizing waivers and exceptions of Buy American laws. And so, what he said is every agency in the government, every department of government is going to conduct a top to bottom assessment aimed squarely at cracking down on weak monitoring, enforcement, and compliance efforts at rooting out every single Buy American loophole. And the Secretary of Commerce is going to coordinate these agency efforts and vet them by the pres- for the president on how to properly close them. And for the first time, the Buy American bidding process will take into account the flagrant use of unfair trade practices. Now, some of you say, oh, it's only going to start a trade. Well, wh- what do you think these other countries do? You think made in China, if they don't have to import something, you think they're importing it anyway? No. You know how difficult it is to get a car, an American car sold abroad and how much extra it costs? You know, look how many European cars are in America. How look how few American cars are in America in, in Europe. It's such a distinction. Anyway, I, look. With the exception, my my wife has gotten other cars, but I, for myself, I've only been buying. I think the last ten cars I bought were American. Or I've never, I never bought for myself a car that wasn't an American made car. Now. By the way, if you buy in a Toyota or a Honda, I know there are Honda plants in America. I know there are Toyota plants in America. I have no problem with people deciding to do that. None whatsoever. But I've always wanted America made. I remember arguing this when I was on the air in Huntsville, Alabama. And it wasn't long. It was in, you know, after the time. There was, there was a period of time where the Japanese were making better cars than American cars. There was a, a fall-off period for a short time. You know, for me, it's gotten so easy for me to get a car now. And because you're able to go and actually price out what you can pay for the car and maximize it on the Internet. I mean, there's not the usual or past negotiations that go on and that used to have the haggling that went on buying a car. It's not hard for anybody to do these days. I don't even talk about price. I just call my buddy over at King Aurora Cadillac and I say, I want another one. And come take the old one. And then if something breaks, I just call them and say, it's enough, something's not working right. Can you fix it? And then they bring me a loaner car. And that's, by the way, how they keep their business running. They're great customer service. And I know they're not going to gouge me. They're all, they, I've even had the guys at King O'Rourke tell me, well, what, if you may, wait two weeks, there's going to be a deal and you're going to get it for this much less a month if you get the car then, you know, if, you, if I'm leasing it or whatever I do with the cars. Because I like to kind of turn them in every couple of years, every three years. So I just go to them. It's great. And anyway, I just, I I prefer, I like the idea of American-made cars. I love my Escalade. I get the same car. I get the same color. I don't even have to think about it. I do like the new car smell. I wish they could really duplicate it, not that crap that they sell at the car wash that doesn't smell like a new car, that they say smells like a new car smell. It doesn't. Not that I've tried. And, I don't know, so I like what the President's doing here. So we'll see if, you know, Wilbur Ross, the Commerce Secretary, is going to be able to pull that off. But I think it's a good idea. You know, the public perception of the GOP is dropping. We've got the 6th District in Georgia race that's going on today. I hope that this Democrat doesn't get the 50%. Then there'll be a runoff. Then he'll be defeated. He doesn't even live in the district. But what's so deserving is a new poll by the Pew Research revealed that Democrats are making some inroads on issues that Americans were favoring the Republican Party on. But the Republican Party, how is it possible eight years later, they can't get a repeal and replacement of Obamacare? You know, I noticed when the president mentioned Scott Walker, the crowd applauded. When he mentioned Paul Ryan, I didn't hear a peep out of them just now when he's in Wisconsin. And you know, I don't think Americans are really in tune with the fact that these guys go away for two weeks on recess. Maybe I'm making too big a deal about it. I don't get two-week recesses. You know, we're going to do our radio and TV show and fly to Israel in the, in the interim. Because that's the way we roll. That's the way we do our job. And I don't care what job I had in my life. I've always had a sense of urgency. I keep telling you. If I'm washing dishes and I don't move my my backside, the, the dishes are going to pile up. If I'm a cook and I am I got a line of orders in front of me, they're not going away until I get them out. When I'm bussing tables in a busy, busy restaurant, it's the same thing, or tending bar. Everything in terms of the president's economic agenda is predicated on getting the health care bill done because the health care offers a trillion dollars in savings for the economic plan that the president wants to unveil. And the Treasury Secretary, Steve Mnuchin, said that the Trump administration's timetable for tax reform, that may falter because of the health care delay, because these guys weren't ready to lead. So now the, the Freedom Caucus, they're the ones that actually fix the bill. And from what I understand, from what Dave Bratt has said, and Mark Meadows has said, That the things that they were fighting for, which guaranteed lower premiums, more competition, more options for individuals, also preserving for the moderates, that people with pre-existing conditions—and by the way, no Republican is against that—or people that obviously need help and assistance with health care are going to be taken care of. But we're still saving a trillion dollars. And that has to get done before we can do the economic issues. So, I mean— at some point, Congress has got to do their job. I just went through in the last hour all that Trump has done. We got a originalist on the court. He's, he's making phone calls begging corporations to stay because he's going to transform regulations, which he's already doing. He's going to lower the corporate tax rate. He's going to allow repatriation of trillions at a very low rate. And that makes it more a, a more a far more favorable environment for people to invest in this country in factories and manufacturing centers that gets the 95 million Americans out of the labor force and the 50 million in poverty and on food stamps each that gets them an opportunity to get back in the workforce as does reducing illegal immigration which he's done by 67 percent just because he's enforcing the laws ending sanctuary cities one city after another is going back on their fight against Trump because they know they're going to lose. You know, he's moving forward. Everything that he's done in terms of building the wall and everything else, every promise he's making, he's keeping. The only people that aren't moving have no sense of urgency are Republicans in Congress. What do these people do? It's so frustrating. I don't, I, I just don't relate to not working hard. I don't relate to give me the House, give me the Senate, give us the White House, and boy, we'll get all these things done. And they haven't gotten it done. I don't relate to it. I don't identify with it. And frankly, they're hurting the president and the country by not doing their job. And it's about time they get off their ass, get back from vacation, and start doing some work. Why is Paul Ryan at NATO? Who cares what Paul Ryan thinks about NATO? Get back, whip your votes, get the language written, and get the bill passed. What's so hard about this? Anyway, you've got some Obama holdovers within the Border Patrol now. This was on Breitbart, reportedly refusing to obey Trump's order to secure the border. And just like the deep state holdovers, fire these people. Somebody fire them. They need to go. Because all they're doing is sabotaging the president's agenda. By the way, there's a very scary Daily Mail piece out today. Thanks to the president's decision to take the Obama handcuffs off of our military, ISIS is now facing defeat on the battlefield. And they're getting desperate, so desperate that apparently they are trying to form a last-stand alliance, ISIS and al-Qaeda. Islamic State is now talking to al-Qaeda, about a potential alliance to form a combined terror group as U.S.-backed Iraqi troops close in on the jihadis in Mosul. We had Mosul. We gave Mosul back, which was ridiculous. Anyway, 800-941-SHAWN, if you want to be a part of the program. Um, oh, by the way, Facebook granted employees a day off to protest Trump. Now, what happened with this guy? What's his name? Mark Zuckerberg, the... He owns Facebook. He's the zillionaire? Okay. Yes, he's a zillionaire. And how many of our listeners and people that follow us on social media reported that articles from com, our new website, our new news website? It's upwards of 10
3: now. I mean, we're getting phone calls daily, and now we're getting people blasting us on Twitter and on, on Facebook. And then Facebook has now acknowledged our IT team and has said that they're aware of the problem and they're working to resolve it and that the claims that were made that there was um, – Inappropriate content in our articles that dealt only with politics and had nothing to do with nudity, as they claim. Yeah, I mean,
1: what is it? We've never had any nudity. Well, I put that
3: one picture up of you, but they made me take it right down, Sean. I mean, it was up there for like a second. You know what I'm saying?
1: Why am I taking you to Israel and Sweet Baby James? For to good Israel? times like this. Oh, good. So I have to put up with all of this.
3: Yeah, face to face. Shalom. Hello. It's going to be fantastic.
1: And, but the only thing is, is, you like hummus. I remember the last time yes. you were there, every meal was hummus.
3: Well, the Israelis, hey, have good taste, and they have good food and no, good No, the best meal we
1: had was that restaurant in Tel Aviv. Indeed. That was, that was awesome. That was really good. All right. Did you make arrangements to eat at good places?
3: I always look at the upside of things, and I always make good all arrangements. All I care
1: about is they're asking me questions all day. All right. Do you want to take a shower before you meet with the prime minister? Do you want to- First do, of all, I asked you that to...
3: question one time, and you should be very happy that I'm always thinking about the upside of things okay. and trying
1: to give you a shower when you need one. Okay. Can I just finish- They're asking me, do you want to leave here? Do you want to do radio in Tel Aviv or Jerusalem? Do you want to do TV in Tel Aviv or Jerusalem? I'm like, this is not my job. You guys work it out. Do you want to look at the downside or the upside? I want to go on the trip, do my job, interview the prime minister. I can't tell the other things that we're doing when we're there, but we're doing some big things there, and we'll be reporting from there. And all I hear from you is, do you want to take a shower? I want to take a shower. I mean, where does that... Why do I have to make that decision? How do I know if I, I think wanna... you
3: smelling good in Israel is the upside.
1: How do I know at that time of the day if I'm gonna need or want to shower? It's eleven hour what is it, eight hour time difference? Seven. Seven hours. All right. Eight hundred nine four one Sean, toll free telephone number. You wanna be a part of the program. By the way, uh coming up in the next hour, we shall be checking in who are we doing next in the next hour? You changed it up on me. I don't even remember.
3: Next, we have Danielle McLaughlin and Jay Sekulow, who will be talking about
1: Ooh, Gorsuch in the it's... playground case. Oh, this case is phenomenal. We'll get to that next. Um, I can't be ripped in Congress every minute of every day. I wrote a monologue for TV tonight that you're going to like, though.
4: Sean Hannity.
1: All right, Hour 2, Sean Hannity Show. Finally having nine members back at full strength at the U.S. Supreme Court. There's also talk of a lot of retirements, potentially in in June at the end of the session. Right now, we see that on his first case, 15 minutes in, Neil Gorsuch asked a series of four questions. And one case in particular, they're going to hear on uh, tomorrow a case about a Missouri church's challenge to its exclusion from a state program that provides money to use ground-up tires to cushion playgrounds. Missouri's among roughly three dozen states with with constitutions that explicitly prohibit using public money to aid a religious institution or even a In other words, a higher wall separating church and state with us, Jay Sekulow. He's the chief counsel for the American Center for Law and Justice. Our crazy liberal friend, Danielle McLaughlin, attorney, constitutional expert who didn't want Judge Gorsuch confirmed. How are you?
2: I'm doing well, thanks, Sean. Hi, Jay. How are you doing?
1: All right, don't be nice, doing? because that ruins the entire program. I, I, I start being mean, all. and you start being nice, and there goes the show. You're ruining my program, <laughs> because nobody wants to hear three people get along. Um, Isn't that
2: my job, to ruin your program,
1: Sean? You, you usually do a good job, but yeah. today you're, you're being counterintuitive to what we anticipate. <laughs> um All right. Let's talk first about, you know, it's very interesting. Everybody has a a unique and different style on the court. Jay, you've argued, what, 13, 14, 15 times before the Supreme Court. You know, for example, Justice Clarence Thomas, who's my favorite justice personally, individually, and I also liked Antonin Scalia, the late Antonin Scalia, but he rarely, if ever, talks. He does not ask questions. He just studies the issues. He takes it all in, and he has an originalist value system. In other words, the way, a prism in which he judges cases. What did you make of gorsuch's questions in his first case
4: well i think he was exactly the kind of inquisitive judge that he was when he was on the u.s court of appeals for the tenth circuit i've you know as you said i've appeared before the supreme court a lot i had one of the few questions by the way where justice thomas actually did ask a question it's rare he normally wants to just hear what the lawyers have to say and uh... he's read the literally in these cases thousands of pages of briefs that have been filed. I think Neil Gorsuch coming in, as he did, about 15 minutes in, asking a question established very clearly that he is going to be a justice that wants his, really wants to engage the oral argument. I will say something about the oral argument. I love doing them, so I don't want to take anything away from it. But I don't think you win a case... At oral argument, you may scare them that you could lose a case, but winning a case at oral argument is not so easy. I mean, I've, had Listen, cases uh, I've the Jay, I, was...
1: I've listened to these cases. Yeah. They, they're in yeah. your. They're worse than a talk show host in terms of their interruptions. Yes. You got to really be on your toes when you're arguing before the Supreme Court. And they, I go about thirty seconds before I get interrupted.
4: Usually, about thirty seconds is about the most I've had one where I got up. I said, "Mr. Chief Justice, may I please the court?" And there was a question from uh, Justice Stevens as soon as I started. So yeah. that, it, it is. It's very. It's a very intense one hour.
1: Yeah, but you've got to love that. I mean, as a lawyer, yeah. that's like your dream to be arguing yeah. before the United States Supreme Court. That's
4: oh, great. Yeah. That's and how great. many of the and cases did you win? This is going to help on a lot of fronts.
1: What's your win-loss record before the Supreme Court?
4: So we've had 20 cases at the Supreme Court. We've won 17.
1: It's not bad. That's a pretty good pretty track good. record. I'd take yep. that any day. Yep. Uh, uh, Danielle, what do you make of Neil Gorsuch and his appearance and the different styles that are on the Supreme Court now? And then we'll get into this specific case.
2: You know, to Jay's point, he asked a lot of questions. Uh, he took a little time. He'd clearly done his homework, which is what you would expect of all of the justices. I thought there was a little levity, which was nice when he thanked his colleagues for the warm welcome. I think it's going to be interesting. You know, uh, this was a very technical case. He's uh, presided over a lot of very technical cases uh, in Colorado. I think it's going to be interesting as we get to some of these more difficult cases, and I think actually Wednesday is going to be one of those interesting cases, because it's, it's about the establishment court clause. It's about the exercise of free religion it's about some of these founding principles of this country which is one of them which is of course separation right, let's of talk about
1: state. The, est- the establishment clause i've always yeah. felt it was a penalty for example i i pay for schools because i own a home and part of the money that i i spend goes to taxes for the schools now, I for now I do have my kids in public school, but for a while I put them in a private school. And so I'm now paying twice. Am I being punished because of my religious values, sending my kids to a religious school?
4: Well, the fact is, uh, you, no, that's the cost of citizenship. Here's the thing. The, what's interesting is well, why am
1: I mandated to pay for schools that I'm never
4: going to use? because that's the way the tax system is set up. And what's so fascinating about that, when you look at it in the context of these schools, in like in, in the case in Missouri, where you basically had a very straightforward situation. The state provides excess rubber, it sounds very simple, to make playgrounds safer. And they include a broad swath of educational institutions, but they specifically excluded religious institutions or schools that were Christian schools or Jewish day schools, they'd be excluded. Now, ask yourself, that same rationale would would justify a fire department saying, well, we'll go put out the fires in every place else, but what, the schools and the uh, the Christian schools and the the synagogues? We're not going to go there because it would be church money being utilized uh, by the government to help a a religious institution? That's where these cases have gotten off base. Uh, This particular case gives the Supreme Court an opportunity to once again say no viewpoint-based discrimination against religious groups, or in this particular case, a Christian school.
1: What about our founding document, Danielle, our declaration, which says, you know, that we're endowed by our creator. Now, yep. I, when you couple yep. that with our Constitution mm-hmm. and the Establishment Clause, how does helping a school that has religious values, how does that establish a religion if it's open to all religions and all people, considering you're maximizing the impact of, of money, state money in this case, being spent To protect all children, regardless of faith.
2: To your first point about our Creator, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, some of the documents that our founders published long before the Constitution talked about God, talked about a deity. But our founders were very, very concerned about the notion that religion and the state would become intertwined. Our, uh, people came across on the Mayflower, as you well know, because of religious persecution, because of, their, because of the fact that the Church of yeah, England... Yeah, but, but you're missing my point. With no,
1: our Declaration, when it talks about endowed by our Creator, mm-hmm. it, it, I understand the Establishment Clause. In other words, a government-sponsored, back-specific religion, but establishment is not hostility towards religion, because our framers and our founders, neither one had hostility towards God in our lives.
2: That's absolutely right, and exactly what you're talking about is the line upon which this
1: so shouldn't so shouldn't so shouldn't so should in this case shouldn't the the criteria be the safety of all children as long as sure. nobody's being discriminated against
2: the question is whether this money will be going towards religious instruction because that would but be it's going putting the rubber
4: in, in a, to a playground money. to make it safer you're absolutely right. right you're absolutely right to your I mean, point about a, well, let's look at the facts of the right. case okay the facts of the case it's not some You know, hypothetical that we all had in law school. This is the facts of the case. It was a program that provided funding to get excess rubber from the state beneficiaries to protect children in playgrounds, which has proved to be a real uh, safety assistance when you have the rubber or some kind of absorption factor on playgrounds. So that's a broad-based benefit being applied to, in this particular case, or being denied to, religious groups. That should not be the law, and I'll take it a step further. Justice O'Connor had a famous quote in one of the cases. She said, And you talked about, Sean, the fact that we're a nation founded by religious refugees. She said said this. It would be ironic, indeed, if a nation that was founded by religious refugees would sever itself from that deity, that acknowledgement of God, that has been the basis upon which it was established. So this idea that you would draw this bright line of, oh, it's religious, therefore it should be excluded, I I think is absurd. Let me ask, Danielle, do you think that it is okay for this church to be discriminated against like this? Because that's what this is, is discrimination.
2: You make a great point, and actually I don't. And what we're seeing with the, many of the amicus briefs in this case, you're seeing interesting and unusual bedfellows. I agree with you that people are saying that this is a, a discrimination on the basis of religios- religiosity. This is a, ba- a discrimination against people who have, hold religious views. You see the same arguments with people who advocate for same-sex marriage and gay rights, the idea that the 14th Amendment should protect all of us, re- regardless of whether it's about sexual orientation or they're about religious views. The key to this point... This, this case, and it's obviously a difficult case to defend because this is about the safety of children. I have a two-year-old. I would want this kind of a, a surface in my, uh, my own playground. The question is whether this will be used for religious purposes, religious teachings, and there is a sort of a slippery slope argument. If we give state taxpayer-funded money, from people who may or may not agree with the religious teachings, which is Sean's earlier point about his own taxpayer money, is there next an auditorium or a fencing or something else that is so on what? the periphery of I mean, the community? I think, think this city. is
4: like There's a so what? I hope just Borsh asked that. So what? So if the religious group gets the, to be able to purchase the rubber through state aid to protect their, their young people, kids on a playground, I don't think that's a constitutional crisis. Now, evidently, the uh, the, the, the Circuit Court of Appeals certainly thought it was, because that's why we're at the Supreme Court of the United right, States, right. that's why the case at the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. And in full disclosure, we filed a brief in the case, so I, I want to be clear on that. But to me, this is an it's easy case. Now, you never know at the Supreme Court, Sean, what you're going to get, but it should be an easy case. And I'm glad that Judge Gorsuch is now Justice Gorsuch, because he's been very good on the religion clauses.
2: I agree with you, Jay, that I think Gorsuch will be a proponent of your point of view. I think that's pretty clear. I actually think it's a hard case. I think it's alluring in the sense that it seems very cut and dried about children and safety. But I think there are countervailing arguments that look at the fundamentals of the First Amendment. And I think it's, you know, personally, I I would want it to happen. I'm
4: at a loss. What is the first? Why is this a violation of the First Amendment? We're going to get this benefit to anybody, any school in the state that has uh, kids in it. And we're going to give it to it on a non-discriminatory basis. Why is that a constitutional crisis?
2: Well, it's actually not going to every single. There were a limited number of grants that were given out. So the concern yeah, is sp- that
4: Specifically excluding the religious groups, though, from that grant base.
2: But if there are 50 churches and only 25 get the grant, the concern okay. is that the state will be seen as supporting one religion over the other. That's oh, the come basic on. Argument. You don't believe it. Yeah.
4: You don't believe that, Daniel. You don't believe that. I don't believe that you think that if there's only limited funds, that if the, if the Catholics get it and, and the Seventh-day Adventists don't, that we've got, you know, it was on some neutral criteria. That's a problem. You just have a neutral criteria. There shouldn't be an issue. All
1: right, guys, hang, I gotta, hang on. i got to interrupt you both. Great debate going on. Jay Seculo, Danielle McLaughlin is with us, and Danielle, almost sounds reasonable today. I hate when, when you sound so reasonable because it makes your arguments that much more effective but Jay and I always like you anyway, so it doesn't matter. Continue Sean Hannity show. Jay Sekulow, chief counsel for the American Center for Law and Justice. Danielle McLaughlin, attorney, constitutional expert. And we are debating a case that will be argued before the U.S. Supreme Court tomorrow. Now that we're back at full strength, and Neil Gorsuch is on the court, and it has to deal with a Missouri church and their challenge to the exclusion from a state program that provides money to use ground-up tires to cushion playgrounds. And, of course, it deals with the Establishment Clause, the Constitution, and whether or not in somehow, some way that violates that clause You know, make the case how it violates it, Danielle. That's what you haven't gotten to today. You haven't explained to me if every church and every faith, I don't care if you're Jewish, if you're Hindu, if you're Muslim, uh, uh, Christian, and everybody has access to it. And the state's role is to help and assist in the safety of children with this particular measure. Tell me the downside. How is it an establishment of religion if every religion is included?
2: Well, if you're a taxpayer and you're an atheist and you don't think that your taxpayer money should go to be funding religious activities, wait a minute, but but the the same ground up tires
1: are going to be at public playgrounds as well, as I understand it.
2: Right, well there's no prohibition on using state taxpayer money for public parks or other things like that. So in other words, that's that's sort of the the kernel there. And I'm not saying that this is like the best case in the world. I think in some it makes sense for this to be broadly available but the argument is and what I find which is the irony here is that I'm arguing strict construction and Jay is arguing what would normally be a progressive argument which is what is the pragmatic result here I think that this case in some ways turns everything on its head I don't think you're
1: arguing strict constructionism at all Jay
4: do you No, I mean first of all pragmatic is the nature of of the way you do a case so you look I'm looking at the facts So I think here's a strict constructionist view, an originalist view, I like that term better, but this is my view. Where is this a violation of the Constitution? I'm looking at the Constitution, and where I don't see a violation here. Because if this is a violation of the Constitution, then the fact of the matter is, and I really think this is where the slippery slope would come into play, then why would you allow taxpayer money to go to a fire department that was providing aid, including police or fire department aid, to a church? What's the differential? And take it a step further. How can you then deny a broad-based program to qualifying entities, but then have an exclusion—I've been arguing this at the Supreme Court for three decades—and then have an exclusion for one group only, and that group is because they are affiliated with a religious institution? That is invidious discrimination— That is viewpoint discrimination. That violates the free speech clause and the equal protection clause. And I think it violates the establishment clause because, as Sean said, it shows hostility towards religion. So that's how I see the case. I think that's how Judge uh, Justice Gorsuch will see the case. The question will be:
1: Will there be four others? I think there will be. I agree with Jay. What's your response, Danielle?
4: I think we will see
2: at at least a five-four, and maybe even a six-three, because looking at Anthony Kennedy and the way that he has spoken about religion and the establishment clause over the last, you know decades, he echoed what Scalia said, and he agreed that particularly these Blaine amendments, which I guess you could say increase the height of the war between church and state, were problematic uh, and actually were set in place originally to discriminate against Catholics. So I actually think that we might get, or you might get Kennedy on board with Gorsuch. So I actually think that the Eighth Circuit, that we will see an, over, an overturning of the Eighth Circuit, and probably the church will win.
1: All right, I'm going to have to leave it there. I really appreciate both of you. Jay Seculo, Chief Counsel, American Center for Law and Justice. Uh, Danielle McLaughlin, Attorney, Constitutional Expert. And that case is going to be pretty fascinating. And when the results come, last question for both of you. How many people do you think may retire at the end of this session for the Supreme Court Jay
4: I think one who uh, I think it probably is Justice Kennedy. I don't know that for a fact, but just based on my wow. conversations in Washington and others uh, that's that I think you have to be op- the White House needs to be operating on the assumption that there's likely to be a vacancy and that vacancy may be uh, Justice Kennedy it may not be but
1: I, I think you on uh, that assumption is Ruth Bader Ginsburg is she healthier than she's yeah, better I think she's I think she's healthy. I saw her a couple weeks back. Okay, good I think she will be there for a while. Which are the best? Danielle, how many openings do you see?
2: I think one, maybe two. I'm obviously hoping for none because I'm hoping, I'm hoping that for three. See. <laughs> I know you are. I'm hoping, I'm hoping for hoping three. For I, think the I want three RBC. Donald Trump
1: appointments. That's what I want.
2: <laughs> I, I want no more. But uh, I guess we'll wait and see what happens uh, at the end of the term.
1: All right. Thank you both. 800 941 Sean toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of the program. We'll take a break. We'll come back. Your phone calls coming up next. Straight ahead. All right, 25 to the top of the hour. All right, you've been hearing about this Facebook Live gruesome, horrific, evil murder. We had the case in Chicago where this young girl got raped. That was on Facebook Live and all these other instances. And it raises a lot of questions about the freedom and the ability of people to post anything anytime they want to. Now, I personally—how many times have I said I wished Obama—somebody in the press would have asked Obama— Hey, did you actually see those people, James Foley, the people in Egypt lined up on the beach, decapitated? Because I've seen those videos. And I make the argument that I would rather more people understand the nature of the enemy than not know. And I think in that sense, knowledge helps and helps a lot. Awareness helps and helps a lot. Anyway, um, Mark Zuckerberg is saying about this, we have a lot more to do. He addressed the Cleveland murder video, but I don't know, you know, they're censoring my articles, according to so many of you on Facebook, on Hannity Facebook, and on Twitter. And so many people have been calling in to Linda and Lauren and everybody else here on the show saying they keep taking down Hannity.com articles because we've built a pretty active news site up there, and we're very proud of what we've been able to do, and we've rebuilt the site, and we're getting a lot of traffic, and we're putting up articles that you're not going to get elsewhere in the media, and... Facebook is ripping them down but they're allowing murders and rapes to go on Facebook live and that makes no sense all right uh, let's get to our phones here as I've been promising all day we'll get to that at the top of the next hour here on the program in the meantime let's go to uh, Michelle she's out in Colorado today Michelle hi how are you glad you called and welcome to the Sean Hannity show
6: hi Sean how are
1: you I'm good how are you
6: I'm good. You know, I just wanted to say I know there's just so much chaos in the world right now. And uh, I feel very strongly that Donald Trump is putting the United States first, that if we didn't have a great leader to stand up against these lunatics, it would be the end of of what we know uh, of our country. And I know people are scared. They don't understand. But we have yet to show any strength since Ronald Reagan. And I'll tell you what, you can appease these lunatics and you can give them, you know, gold and money and and appease them. And we're not going to do anything to you. Eventually, they bite. Okay? Eventually, they're going to bite.
1: But last night, I don't know. Did you see my show last night? And I laid out the history. Bill Clinton assured us that Kim Jong-il, who's Kim Jong-un's father— that he wasn't gonna get nuclear weapons and he gave four billion dollars to Kim Jong il and and we got the promise that he'd never get nuclear armed, but they continue to allow him to have those radioactive rods that can build nuclear weapons, which was really dumb, and even the New York Times acknowledged it was dumb at the time. And it ends up that the promise Bill Clinton made was false. It was wrong, just like Obama saying that his red line in the sand, or Susan Rice saying it, or John Kerry saying it, the red Mm -hmm. line in the sand resulted in Assad giving up his chemical weapons. That's not true. And I can promise you Obama's promise about this Iranian deal, the Iranians are going to get nuclear weapons unless we take out their nuclear sites. That's right.
6: You don't have a choice. And I'll tell you what, it all comes down to, I might be a conspiracy, conspiracy theorist, but I'm telling you, it comes down to big money. They got big payouts for this at the sacrifice of the United States of America. The establishment is going down, and Donald Trump is the one who's going to take it down. I believe, and I'm a Jew. I know you're Catholic or Christian. Yes, ma'am. I believe this is sent from God. I really do, and I think back. I was just having a conversation about this, that it was John Paul II— it was Pope John Paul. It was Margaret Thatcher, and it was Ronald Reagan. And if you want to talk about three angels or or soldiers from heaven coming down and taking out communism, taking the wall down in Berlin, God will always put Israel first, and God bless America. You know, it's and funny. Thank God for Donald Trump.
1: I'll tell you this. So I'm headed to Israel as I announced later this week. Okay. And I'm going to spend some time with the prime minister when I'm there. And I have been friends with and have admired from afar. I've always felt that Prime Minister Netanyahu was the Churchill of our time. It's sort of the the lone adult on the world stage because of the necessity of having to deal with a, a situation where a tiny country is surrounded by people that hate them, want to kill them, and destroy them. So he's had to face a reality and a truth that most of us here in America may never, ever have to really face. And, I, you know, I, I was talking about kids that are members of the IDF for three years, and my son recently met this kid, and he was being recruited to, to play on, on the school team that my son plays on. And I said, all those kids, he's 22 years old and he's beginning college. And he never gave up his amateur status. He has four years of legitimate NCAA eligibility. And those kids are just so more mature than our own kids. And I'm not saying this that in, a, in any way to be a anything other than a compliment to the kids that, that have to grow up much faster because of truth and reality in their lives. And, you know, whether you like to hear it or not, the world's a pretty dark, evil place. And— You know, when you talk about murder, that's evil. Raping a woman is evil. Beating up people for fun is evil. ISIS beheading people is evil. You know, 100 million souls in the last century, fascism, communism, Nazism, Imperial Japan, it's all evil. And I think that good people have a hard time wrapping their arms around the fact that evil exists. You know, look at San Bernardino, look at the Orlando Pulse nightclub, look at Chattanooga, look at Fort Hood, look at what's been happening in France, Great Britain, Germany, Sweden, and all across Belgium and all across Europe. It's, it's an ideology of evil in our time that is really in many ways not any different, although it's a different form, it's a different ideology, it's a different philosophy, it's, it's all of those things, but it's still evil. As evil as Hitler was, if you want to kill innocent men, women, and children, you're evil. That's it. It's simple. It's basic. It's fundamental, and that's why I like the fact that Trump took a a real line in the sand and and bombed the hell out of Assad Syria and said we're not going to cross this line and use chemical weapons against women and children. But um, and I think it showed a lot of strength and courage. The world is having a hard time adjusting that the weak and feckless and the appeasing america under obama has now shifted and there's got to be some fundamental mental flip in the minds and the hearts of these these leaders that they understand there's a new sheriff in town just like snowflakes are having a hard time adjusting so too are the world's leaders especially those that got away with murder the entire time obama was president Anyway, appreciate the call. Michelle, thank you. 800 941 toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of the program. Let's go to Sandy Is in California. Sandy, hi, how are you? Welcome to the Sean Hannity Show.
8: Hi, Sean. Um, I want you to keep prodding the Republicans on Obamacare. You want me to We've keep got to get that on, uh, repealed and replaced, and I hope it's going better than, uh, than what I hear. But another thing is you were awesome on providing statistics during the election And I think we've got to get the wall taken care of, and some of our Republican guys just don't seem to have the guts that they need to have. So I was wondering if you could put together statistics on the crime created uh, from illegal immigrants, uh, how it's harming our schools, how it impacts our hospitals. And if you could repeat that on a daily basis, then some of these guys like uh, Marco Rubio, John McCain, Lindsey Graham, and on and on might get some um, guts to do the right thing and help us get the wall built. And I'm just way pro-Trump. I'm never going to go away from him, so uh, I just think he's the best thing that's happened in our political system in a long time.
1: Look, I agree. Republicans, they, they need to step up. You know, all my life, and I, I'm sure this is the life of every person listening, because I don't know anybody that has the life of a congressman, a congresswoman, a senator, or all these people. I don't, I don't have expensive time for lunch every day. My, I don't even eat lunch every day. Maybe I have Campbell's soup, and that's my lunch for for now, I buy I do buy Linda and everybody in there lunch every. Don't I buy you lunch every day? But yes. you eat it at your desk. You gonna have well, anything you want? You haven't eaten yet. Well, the bill came across my my iPhone today, so somebody ordered something. Well, I'm glad somebody's getting paid. Well, but but there's no restriction. But everybody eats at their desk on this show, and it's not. I've never said to my staff, "You've got to eat at your desk." It's just the reality of this job. You want to work here. You put it all in, and you look. We're on the we're look. We're on the air at three o'clock, whether we're prepared or not. Now we'd rather be prepared, and we're always hanging by a thread, even when we're fully prepared. It's just the nature of the business. I just don't understand Republicans. They wanted the House, they got it. They wanted the Senate, they got it. They wanted the White House. Well, half these people didn't even support Trump. They're so pathetic. Now they've got it, and. Yep. You know, Trump's we have a chance to change the world for the good, and they're, they're sitting on their hands, and it frustrates the hell out of me.
8: Right, and Trump's got a lot of us out here supporting him, and uh, the other Republicans just need to get some gusto, or, you know, they just need to get with it. Yeah. And uh, I want you to know I appreciate everything you do, and uh, just keep after him. And uh, I, I want Trump to be successful because I know it's the best thing for America.
1: Yeah, well, I do, too. And you know what? We're going to try and help them, and we'll drag these Republicans kicking and screaming if we have to. Got to take a quick break. We'll come back.
9: I think everybody has learned from this. I think the people on social media kind of know the power, and I think they know the harm it can do. So we've talked before about people not living their lives on social media and being truthful in social media and not harming people via social media. And, you know, this is a prime example. This is something that should not have been shared around the world, period. And, you know, our kids, although they should not have seen this, I'm sure a lot have, you know, they need to take this as a lesson. We can't do this in this country. We just can't do it.
1: All right. That, of course, in reaction to this manhunt that is underway in Cleveland, Ohio, for this man suspected of murdering this elderly citizen, an absolute cold blood and streaming his crime on facebook live and so many people now have seen this thing it is beyond barbaric and there is unique challenges now that we are facing as a result of this instantaneous news outlet that is at everybody's fingertips and that is all right well so what do you do when you believe in freedom of expression and freedom of speech and then you've got kids on facebook live killing themselves and in this case, you got this guy killing an elderly citizen in cold blood for the world to see. And does that bring up issues involving, okay, censorship? I mean, you got this guy posted a video of himself killing a former foundry worker who had 10 children. This guy had 10 children that he killed. And then and he said, I snapped. I just snapped. Anyway, he shared the recording of himself announcing his plan to kill someone. Then two minutes later, posted another video of himself shooting and killing Good, uh, one. Now, Facebook said a few minutes after that that he went live and confessed, and the company said it disabled his account within 23 minutes of receiving the first report about the video of the fatal shooting and two hours after re- receiving any report. Now, Facebook has since announced that it was launching a review for the reporting of a harmful content of any way. But what do you do? Ron Christie is uh, back with us, former special assistant to President Bush, columnist for Sidewire. Also with us, Emily Shire at Bustle.com. Welcome both of you to the program. Ron, I'm you know, i I'm, I'm just a believer in free and open media, and unfortunately, this is one of the downsides of living in a free society. I don't know how you possibly can censor any live event if anybody wants to do something this horrific and narcissistic.
10: Isn't that just awful, Sean? Good afternoon. I, I, I'm heartbroken, and like you, I'm a, I'm a firm believer of the First Amendment to the Constitution, I believe that we should have the freedom of speech, we should have the freedom of assembly, but unfortunately our culture in this, I want everything now and me, 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 has devolved into this really cruel, really sadistic world on social media. And this is the latest example of it, of how far people go to strive to get attention, Sean, that we need to take a big time out as a country and recognize we don't get the soul of our country back these sorts of things are going to be in the increase rather than decrease, and politicians of both stripes need to stand up and say, "This is enough. Stop it."
1: Yeah, you know. But but on the other hand, I mean, I know this may sound horrific. I kept asking a question during the Obama years. You know, when James Foley had his his head chopped off, or remember when they they lined these guys up on the beach and simultaneously yep. took a knives in Egypt and they chopped these guys' heads off. I watched it. And I want people to see what evil is in this world because if you don't fully comprehend what we're up against and, and the reality and the ugly, disgusting, hideous truth of it all, I'm not sure you're going to have the will to fight it to the extent it needs to be fought. Like, for example, TV networks have made a decision never to show the buildings being hit on 9-11 again. Or the people jumping out of the building because they're burning to death that day. Those images are forever etched in my mind. You know, seeing those people lined up on the beach and getting decapitated with a knife, it's not something that ever leaves you. Now, I certainly don't want kids seeing it, and they have the ability to see it, but it's really the parents' responsibility. I monitor my kids' TV watching. I monitor what they get to see on their computers. I monitor what social websites they get to go to. So at the end of the day, it's going to be the parents. You know, How do you stop this and still keep the freedoms that we love and cherish? Well,
10: let me put it to you this way, and those, those memories are etched in my mind as well as yours and millions of your listeners, Sean, of the horror and tragedy of 9-11. But I think in this instant case uh, where the poor gentleman was shot, and, of course, we saw that video live-streaming, that to me looked like more of a snuff video. This wasn't Coptic Christians being beheaded by ISIS, or this wasn't a uh, terrorist.
1: Uh, right, murdering. but how, who gets to make that decision and distinction? Because anybody I, I, can start a Facebook live session anytime they want.
10: Well, I, in this in this case, I think that Mark Zuckerberg has got a big, big problem on his hands. Of people using his site and his services for really cruel and evil and just terrible things. And he's got to find a way to filter that out, I believe. How do you filter
1: it out? Like, for example, Newt Gingrich does a lot of Facebook live sessions, and he does them often, and a lot of people view them. They either view them in real time or they view them later when he posts them. I mean, how do
10: you— There's got to be a way between Newt going and educating people and a deranged individual killing someone— I don't know what that distinction is. Again, yeah, I, I mean, mean it's to a tough question. It's yeah. a really and hard question that we're going to have to find an answer
1: to. Emily, let me ask you, and we can add to this. Remember, Chicago police were looking for these six people involved in the sexual assault of this teenage girl. That was broadcast on Facebook Live also.
11: Yeah, I mean, I think there there is not an easy answer to this. You raise all the freedom of speech issues um, because, look, do we trust Facebook to be the arbitrator one way or the other? It's clear that Facebook has, you know— even if it's arguably well intentioned, has censored th- certain things and sometimes.
1: Yeah. By the way, they way. they censor articles from Hannity.com. I mean, they're busy censoring that, so you would think they maybe have time for somebody to monitor in real time some of these other things. But that's a side note to that.
11: And there's another question of how much do we want them monitoring? Do we want them getting more involved? I mean, when an instance like this, yes, we we do want it. But one, you know, I don't know if we can put the genie. Uh, back in the lamp on this issue, because, you know, so then what, they take a few, if it's not in real time, then someone uploads the video to YouTube or some other platform. And yes, it'll be taken down, I think, eventually, or censored eventually in different news organizations. Choose not to report on certain aspects. You know, Bustle's policy is that we try, we go out of our way not to give extra attention to a murderer. There are certain issues of you don't want to give extra credence to whatever they're stated Goal or motivation. Was but but you do you more? understand
1: my thinking here? Because I don't know where the slippery slope starts and ends, and I don't know how you monitor content, because I can guarantee you there are a lot of people that would argue against my position is, I want people to see evil. You know, I watch documentaries all the time on the History Channel, on the American Heroes Channel, you know, documentaries that actually show the Holocaust and dead bodies piled upon dead bodies. Is it because I have this... M- Morbid fascination with evil? No, it's that I want to understand it so we can defeat it. Because in the last century alone, when you add in Stalin and Russia and fascism and Nazism and Imperial Japan and the killing fields in Cambodia, you're talking about a hundred million people slaughtered in the name of some sick, twisted, evil ideology. And similarly, we face that crisis today, except it's in a different form. Same evil. And it's called ISIS, it's called radical Islamism, it's it's called Al Qaeda, you know, it's it's called Hezbollah, Hamas, Islamic Jihad, it's called the Muslim Brotherhood. And they all have the same goal. So me wanting people to view and witness the barbarity and absolute evil of this, it's for the purpose of awakening them to understand that it needs to be defeated. There's a purpose to it. So if you but I bet people would argue Hannity, you can't show these people being beheaded. That's sick. That's twisted. Why do you want people to see it? Because if they don't see it, then they don't understand the nature of it. That's why.
10: Well, Sean, let me just say one last thing before I have to jump here. I I totally agree with you. And this is a challenge that we're going to have to face as a society because it's easier to talk about the Holocaust. It's easier to talk about ISIS and state actors doing these sorts of evil things. But I just don't know from a freedom of speech perspective – how you can draw the line if one individual who's just totally deranged elects to just do what we saw in Cleveland? If you have to choose, stop that.
1: If you have to choose freedom, including the evil and barbarity of women being raped in real time on Facebook, or people being murdered in real time on Facebook, what do you choose? It's a hard question. I'm not I'm not yes, trying to tr- it's not no a trick question.
11: There's no black and white answer to that. It's no, it actually a freedom it, of speech issue.
1: I, I I think there has to be though. That's the point. You either choose to allow all this or you choose to censor it. I think
11: this is part of the problem we expect Facebook to be uh an arbi- an arbitrator and decide and Well, who gets yeah, to, to be the arbitrator? Purpose. You
1: want me to be the arbitrator? You want you want you let me, you and I agree like on next to nothing. <laughs> you want do I want you to be the arbiter? No, I don't.
11: No, but and it, but you know, Facebook is just going to be a collection of people. These aren't government officials. These aren't people who have been elected. These aren't necessarily people who have a legal or public policy expertise in what they're monitoring. So we're expecting you, you, them you,
1: to do a certain you, job
11: that that's I'm right, not sure it, they're it, capable of.
1: I don't think it is. I don't th- – I, I, to me, it's either all or nothing, and I, I vote for all. Like there was a really – and here's another sick, twisted part – if you have – there's a viral video originally recorded on Facebook Live that circulated showing a brutal beating of this Detroit man by a group of attackers that occurred Easter Sunday. And people want to see it. It's, it's clickbait for a lot of these sites. Look, it, Sean, I don't – Go ahead. Go
11: ahead. I was just going to say, I mean, I think I, – I think any site that actively uses that as clickbait, it's nauseating um, and that's a whole separate issue from the fact that how do you stop people who have a morose interest or, you know, look, I think there's a baseline human curiosity. We saw this at a much lower level, but when there's you know, nude photos of celebrities leaked, uh, which is you know, far more innocuous but still deeply problematic, people want to click on it even though it's a clear violation of their privacy. Uh, and there's only – and I think you know, publications have an obligation – not to make it easier for people to find it, to not include those photos and those things when they report on it.
1: All right, I want to, I want to pick. To stay the right there with that people. thought, because I want to pick it up on the other side of this break. We've got to take a, a quick break here, though. We'll come back. We'll continue with Ron Christie and Emily Shire. 800 941 is our toll-free telephone number. We'll get to your calls at the bottom of this half hour. All right, as we continue, we lost our friend Ron Christie, but Emily Shire remains with us. All right, because you're a lefty, I've got to ask you, I I played a lot from this weekend and all these violent protests against Trump people and Trump supporters this weekend. But you got this madness that has broken out on your side of the political spectrum, Emily, and I want to ask you about it. My favorites, though, are these three by Madonna and Ashley Judd and this crazy woman that was a Bernie Sanders supporter.
7: And to our detractors that insist that this march will never add up to anything, F- you. F- you. But this is the hallmark of revolution. Yes, I'm angry. Yes, I am outraged. Yes, I have thought an awful lot about blowing up the White House. I
2: am a Nasty woman.
8: I'm nasty, like my blood stains on my bed sheets. We don't actually choose if and when to have our periods. Believe me, if we could, some of us would. We don't like throwing away our favorite pairs of underpants. Tell me, why are tampons and pads still taxed when Viagra and Rogaine are not? Is your erection? Really, more than protecting the sacred, messy part of my womanhood, is the blood stain on my jeans more embarrassing than the thinning of your hair? This be
6: a joke. I cannot believe this is happening. I'm literally about to f-ing kill myself, and I'm not kidding. You better f-ing fix this right now. I literally am gonna die. I need an ambulance.
1: And the snowflake meltdown continues. Emily, they're on your side of the aisle. Have I ever said uh, during the Obama years, I've thought an awful lot of blowing up the White House. Um, What do you think would have happened to Sean Hannity?
11: I think people would have reacted, but I would like to say that. No, 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 no.
1: Stop, stop. People would have reacted or Sean Hannity would be in handcuffs, mugshotted, perp walked and put in jail.
11: Look, Donald Trump said during the campaign that Second Amendment supporters could do something about Hillary Clinton, implied that she should Uh, uh, be assassinated. Okay, all right. Many officials thought
1: that. Emily, Emily, I love you.
11: He should have been arrested for. Emily. If
1: I said when Obama was president, which I would never say, I thought an awful lot about blowing up the White House. What do you think would have happened to me?
11: Look, Madonna got heat for, that, for the Women's March. I criticized her for that. On okay. I I'm a, you know, you're still
1: not answering my question. If I said the same thing, the exact same words on Obama's president, what would have happened to me?
11: I'm answering it. I'm saying that you would have gotten criticism as did Criticism. Madonna.
1: You don't think I would have gotten arrested? I
11: don't think you would have gotten arrested I don't think you would have gotten
1: fired. really. Really? I, I think you're wrong. I think I would have been arrested and I think I would have been handcuffed. That and I, and I don't think you would have brought in a, a cake with a file to help get me out either.
11: Oh, well, I'm a terrible baker, but that's a separate issue. Yeah, money, um, you could always
1: buy the cake and slip the file in it. <laughs>
11: um, I would hate to see you arrested Uh you, So you that. think it's look,
1: okay for people to talk about thinking about blowing up the White House and expressing I, that?
11: I think what Madonna said That sounds like a terroristic threat to me. She said, I've thought a lot, but, but then she said, I'm not, and I'm here today. Uh, look... I think this goes back to a lot of the freedom of speech issues right. we were just talking about. How do we define your? It is a difficult decision. How do we? Well, define you can't your threat say threat fire in a crowded theater. Maybe not.
1: And you can't make terroristic threats. The last time I checked. But anyway, all right, Emily. Thank you. Appreciate it. 941 Sean toll free telephone number. You want to be a part of this extravaganza when we come back? Wide open telephone. Straight ahead. A show all right, twenty five till the top of the hour. Toll free telephone number is eight hundred nine four one. Sean, you want to be a part of the program? Uh, all right, let's go to Dale. Is in my old stomping grounds from years and years and years ago, Santa Barbara, California. What's up, Dale? How's uh, State Street in Paradise?
12: Oh, wet today,
1: Sean. And thanks for
12: taking my call. What's going on? Hey, yesterday you had a caller call in about the fact that he got censored by Facebook this past week. Yeah. Uh, for posting articles of yours. I had that happen to me on Saturday morning as well. I reposted the article, the video clip of uh, Elizabeth Warren questioning why we were bombing ISIS. And they same thing. It was it was. Did you, did you, was you did you take the article from my site? And
1: did you take the article from my site and you were reposting it? That is correct. All right. Now, you, you, we've got murders and rapes taking place on Facebook and we're arguing whether or not they should be censored. Why is Facebook, Linda? Did you make any progress yesterday when I asked you to call Zuckerberg? Did you make any progress with him? What did you call over there?
3: Well, I found his assistant, but you know she thinks that uh, she's unreachable, so I'm still trying to reach her. But our, our-
1: so you can't reach the assistant.
3: Well, the assistant is, is the, you know, in case you didn't know, the gatekeeper to all things. You know, you have an assistant. You know she holds okay, the key.
1: Okay, but I thought this guy called in all these conservatives except for me.
3: Well, what we did was we reached out to their IT people, and they have now asked us to submit all of the links and the proof that this has happened, that this <laughs> is, oh, is some we've got to, error.
1: Well, we've got to prove to them that they've been censoring our materials on Hannity.com, which are only news articles that we put up every day because we've expanded our news coverage on the website, Hannity.com. Correct. Com. Correct. Oh, great. So John. you're you're saying this this happened to you you reposted the article that we put up. I remember the article was confused Elizabeth Warren asked what the overall purpose of bombing ISIS is which is really a dumb statement but and then they what did they do? They just took it down. Did they tell you they they're taking it down?
12: It down. They yeah. told me that it contained nudity and it violated their uh their conditions of uh, the community conditions i immediately challenged it and told them it did not contain any mu- in nudity. right
1: well that's what the other guy um, said yesterday i mean we
12: had a call I also, yesterday. i also screenshotted their their takedown letter yeah my response and it's showing it it was specifically your link to her all
1: right can you send I that to linda that. so we can we can use that would you mind helping us out just as I an FYI
3: Sean, our listeners and our people on Twitter and Facebook have been amazing, and they've been sending tons of links, so we'll definitely get this one from Dale as well, but we've got a lot of uh, we've got a lot of ammo so far
1: It's unbelievable to me I mean meanwhile and well, Mr. Zuckerberg didn't he say that he wanted to reach out to conservatives and now we're trying to reach out to him, and he won't take my phone call?
3: Yeah, well, you know when you have murders and rapes and abductions on your on your site and your platform, you might have bigger feast to fry, just a
1: thought no. Well, Dale, I'm sorry that happened to you. And no, we don't put nudity on the website if it's safe for your children. It's just it's actually called real news, not fake news or fake edited news like Ted Koppel. All right. So it's I know I'm bad for America. Maybe maybe Facebook made the decision that Ted Koppel made that I'm bad for America. Maybe that's what happened. All right, Dale, thank you. We appreciate it. Eight hundred nine four one, Sean. You want to be a part of the program as we get to Susan is in Lemon Cove, California. How are you, Susan? We're glad you called.
5: Hi, hi, Sean. I'm great. You know, I'm I'm just so sick of everybody picking on Trump and this whole Facebook thing and Zuckerberg saying, you know, take the day off to go protest. They have no idea what May Day even is. But what I was really calling about is that the Republican establishment or whoever better wake up because when I first heard Trump is running, I thought if he does one-tenth of what he says he would do, he would be fantastic. Well, he's already done four-tenths of everything he's already said he's going to do. Now it's up to Congress to do it. And I'm so worried about him with this progressive, liberal, financial guys like Khan and everybody. I wish it was Larry Kudlow or somebody in there who really has the normal people's back and not these well, I have, an up- I
1: have an update on this. A lot of this I found out last night from my top sources in the White House. A lot of it, what you're reading and hearing about is all noise. And A, the president hasn't changed from the promises he made you when he was running for office. And B, nobody's going anywhere. Bannon's not leaving. Jared's not leaving. Ivanka's not leaving. Reince isn't leaving. Steve Miller's not leaving. Everybody is where they are right now. Now, Is there intramural squabbles? Yeah, probably like in every corporate environment in the country. But, you know, beyond that, that's not where the president's head's at. And the president seems to be singularly focused on one thing, and that is keeping his promises. And if he does that, he will be a successful president. If he doesn't do that, then he hurts himself. But I have not seen any evidence to date that he's doing that. The only thing that really pisses me off is that Congress— can't get their act together and do their job that they have been promising all these years. And I can't stand people that take vacation every other day. Get your ass you to work. So
5: right, and you make me feel better. Thank you so much for assuring the American people that that's what's going on. Because I really do think Trump has America's best interest at heart, and I think he's doing fantastic. But everybody just wants to sabotage him. And the only person who's never done that— is you, because you speak the truth, and you really yeah. understand what the American people want. So thank you so much. are you well,
1: you're very kind. <laughs> By the way, there are a lot of my media colleagues that absolutely hate my guts for being who I am, but I'm very proud of that, and I'm also proud I've never been to a White House correspondence dinner ever, ever, and well, I'll never, ever go either. And I've been threatened you're with gonna my job. You're
5: going to get extra stars in heaven. <laughs> you're going to get
9: extra stars listen, in heaven. Listen, listen, listen. I don't totally know if I make.
1: I don't know if I make it to heaven. If anybody is not worthy of it, it's certainly me. I'll tell you that. So, but if you're there, I'll be happy you made it. And just you know, maybe put in a good word for me, okay? <laughs> Thank maybe you. I won't go to Dante's, you know, ninth level of hell. Maybe I'll just go to the first level of hell, which would suck. And did you ever read Dante's Inferno? There's all these different levels of hell. I forget what the certain sins are, but I'm sure I fit into every category. Although the whole story of Jesus is about salvation and that he forgives our sins. But I've never understood the idea that even though you ask for forgiveness and you're you're forgiven, why do we keep sinning? Even, the, even people that are preachers I know, I said, well, have you ever stopped sinning? No, I sin every day. And then I'm reminded that Jesus said to one of his apostles, a just man sins every day you know, seven times, 70 times a day. I'm like, well, I'm screwed because I'm not half as good as these people. Anyway, I digress for a second. What? Why are you giving me the the look? Why am I getting the call? I I think you
3: should be forgiven just for knowing that much about the Bible. I'm sure Jesus Christ is up there saying, I've risen, I'm here, I hear you, you're good. He's only going to send you to the first level, although I think once you get to hell, every level sucks, so what's the
1: difference? That's what I think. But if it's my humble opinion. But he says to the, the, the apostles, the average man sins 70 times 7. Well, that's a lot of sinning Listen, in day. Listen, you, you, you did your penance. I, I saw you just
3: went to a red carpet event. I mean, you're already, you know, you're doing your good deeds. We're going to go to the Holy Land. You could touch the wall You talk to Jesus. you will be there.
1: Okay. The, uh, do you know anything about the wall, the Western Wall? No. No. Okay. Do you know anything about the stations of the cross that Jesus is in Jerusalem? No. Do you know the Alaska Mosque is in the middle of Jerusalem? I can't even spell it. Do you know the Armenian sector in Jerusalem? Never heard of it. Oh, good. And why am I taking you to to Israel?
3: Because I know people that know know things about the things that you're talking about.
1: Okay. I know people that know people.
3: I know a guy who's got a guy, and that guy's got a guy
1: over at the Alaska Mosque. All right. Uh, All right. My buddy Tavares is with us. Now Tavares kind of turned on me. You know, we sent Tavares to college. He gets his degree. He kept his end of the bargain. I kept my end of the bargain. You call in last time and you turn on me. What was that all about?
9: Never that, Sean. I I Did love I t-
1: you. You didn't. Don't you? Name, you weren't you loving is, on me the last and, time.
9: Your your new name, I, I renamed you, Sean, is Insanity Drago Hannity.
1: You know who Drago was, right? Yeah, I know who Drago was. Why do you say that? Because you you a Trump Brago, baby. Without you, without you, it would be
9: Trump. There would so, be no. There would be no Donald. And I'm and I'm and I'm mad at the president for this one reason. Because he's trying to he's trying to sneak his way in and, and, and take my best friend from me. It's not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen, Mister President. He's already spoken for. Is my best friend, and you can't have him. And 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 I already let Big Baby James. I will break. You your best friend.
1: I will break you. I will break you.
9: Listen. and when rocky and when rocky put on the trump it, it, it changed it changed when he put on the trump it changed things you know what i mean and and i'm rocky
1: uh, well, no, 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 no 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 no
4: listen cargo, i uh, watched rocky uh, it it's so still.
1: funny you say this cuz i watched rocky 1 and 2 this weekend and i right. I, I identify as you know the the paperboy dishwasher cook busboy waiter bartender Tile layer, house painter, wallpaper hanger, roofer, right. framer. That's my life, man. That's two decades of my life. But here it is. Here, I'm, I, I take care of my buddy Tavares. I send you to college. You and I make a deal. Your life gets better. And then you turn right. on me, in the last time you called, you totally stabbed me. You shivved me in the back. What was up with that? I, w- I would never do that because best friends
9: don't do that. You already, you already did it the last that- time you called. I had to dump you. What you always do, you always dump me, and I still love you for it. But the thing is, Sean, I can't let
1: my best friend continue to be a a double agent of the Russians. Double agent of the Russians? (laughs) Uh, you listen. You must be watching like MSNBC and Rachel Maddow or something. What are you talking I no, about?
9: I, I don't have. To, I, although I love Rachel Maddow, but I don't have time to watch her. Like like like. Yeah, you uh, ought to. You ought to be.
1: You ought to be watching your brother from another mother who sent you to college because he loves you. I do. I, I watch you, and uh, my
9: son can't stay up long enough to watch you. But we we. I, I watch you, Sean. And but and you know I what? Just, you know what? On, man. I'm still.
1: I'm still glad I helped you out. You know why? Because you kept your end of the bargain. You know, I did. I, may, I make the, the same deal with my kids. Like I say to my kids, all right, you want to go to college, you want to do this, you want to do that. Okay, you got to do your part. And you did right. your part. You stepped up and you you manned up. You got it done. You did it for your family. I'm proud of you. I really am. You're a good right. guy.
9: And Sean, and Sean, your blessing has turned into the blessing for three other people that I was able to, to get jobs for with the company that I work for. Awesome. And, I mean, your blessing just keeps on multiplying, I know. Man so so maybe, maybe it, you what, ought to look at me in is. a
1: new light and realize maybe your buddy here, Hannity, is is looking out for the country the way I looked out for you.
9: You know, like I always say, Sean, you're all right American.
1: I'm an all right American. <laughs> you know, you're such a jackass. I don't even know why I like you, but I like you. I, yeah. You're a jackass, you know, Jesus, but I like you. Jesus rode in on a jackass. Remember that. Oh, now you're comparing <laughs> yourself to Jesus on the donkey? Oh my God! Yeah. Oh.
9: yeah, I'll be the hey, I'll be that jackass that Jesus rolled in on, baby. Oh man, you know, he,
1: that, even the jackass was blessed. Oh, Come on now, that's Come actually on preacher Hannity. Uh, listen, I'm not a <laughs> listen. I'm not. I said I'm a humble sinner, man. I know. I I know yeah, where my I place feel. in this world.
9: Sean, Pastor Hannity. That's
1: what. I, that's another. I'm not one. a pastor. I'm I not. Heard, l- listen, I heard you
9: reciting the Bible over there.
1: All right. So I I read the Bible. I believe in Jesus. I believe that yeah. God created the world. But I also know I've been incorrigible since I'm I'm six days old. Right. So I've and, been. I've tr- been. I have been in trouble my entire life. I was the biggest pain in the ass to my parents. Guilty right. as charged. My mother would yeah. say. Don't leave the house. I said, you don't leave the house. And I'd walk out the door. That's pretty yeah, bad, right? And, that's pretty and, horrible. And with Jesus, and
9: and Jesus, the only time Jesus questioned God is, is when he looked in the cup and saw your sins. He said, for real? I got to, I got to die for it's, this guy's
1: sins? You know, that's the only <laughs> Listen, I, I was watching The Passion of the Christ this weekend. I can't right. watch that movie without being moved and not feeling hey. like, I'm, listen, I'm going to tell you how I feel. I'm like, I feel sorry for my part. Because I I not I don't deserve what he did for us. All right. There's I'm gonna end on that happy note because Easter just passed and I'm I'm owning up to it. I know I know my good, I know my bad. I know my my faults, I know my strengths. I know I look at myself I'm far more introspective and, and rooted in reality than you may think, Mr. Wiseass. So I still like you anyway, all right? Bless you, Sean. All right. God bless you, brother. God bless your family, too. Tell us, give the baby a kiss from from Uncle Sean, all right? Don't forget. Uh, let's say hi to, well, I can't have to say hi because i got to take a break here. Eight hundred nine four one sean if you want to be a part of this extravaganza. Don't forget, we got Hannity tonight. we got a great show tonight. I'm going to rip Congress in my opening monologue tonight. I just can't take it anymore. I've done it before. I'm going to do it again because they got to wake up. And we have Monica Crowley tonight, Donald Trump Jr. tonight, uh, General Jack Keene tonight, Dr. Gorka tonight, and we have a world that's gone mad. 10 Eastern Hannity. Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Now that spring is here, it's time to focus on self-care and
0: revitalize your personal care routine. Now through March 26, head in store, shop for all your favorite personal care essentials, and earn four times rewards points. Shop for items like Crest toothpaste, secret deodorant, old spice deodorant or Gillette razors offer expires March 26 restrictions apply promotions may vary visit Safeway.com for more details it is Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win like, are you a fist pumper, a woo a hand clapper, a high-fiver? I kind of like the high-five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. My name is Chris Moody, host of the new podcast, Finding Matt Drudge.